0: I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Are you feeling good? Yeah, so Pastor uh, Hartley did mention that I have written a book. Um, it's about the journey that my husband and I uh, have taken over the last seven years. Uh, just quick story is uh, seven years ago or just before that, God gave me a promise uh, of a son. and uh, And then, of course, my husband and I entered the waiting room of infertility, so I call it, in my book. And really, this book is not just for people that are struggling with waiting to have a baby. Uh, it's really about anybody that finds themselves in a waiting room. We can all find ourselves in a waiting room. Uh, it's, a, it's a popular place to find yourself, actually. Um, we'll all find ourselves in one of them at some season in our life. And uh, this is about how to not just survive the waiting rooms of life, but to thrive in the midst of them. So if you find yourself in a waiting room tonight and you would like some hope in that place, I'm going to ask you to come and run on out and two people will get a free book. Awesome. Awesome. I'm going to take a sip. So good. So I've got a word on my heart tonight for you guys. And I just want to thank your incredible pastors one more time. I did it this morning, but they are just phenomenal people. So phenomenal. Come on, come on. (laughs) Seriously, they're not just like good looking outside, they're good looking on the inside. (laughs) Incredible, incredible people. And I just, I love you so much. You've embraced our family and uh, you're just big people and I love to just hang around you. So thank you so much. Uh, So, yes, so tonight, church, I want to talk about windows of opportunity. All the way through Scripture, people were uh, positioned and placed with windows of opportunity. And uh, I believe tonight that all of us have windows of opportunity in our world. Uh, Opportunity to step into the call of God for our life, opportunity uh, for solutions and answers and questions, And sometimes we are so busy praying for breakthrough and wanting God to make the first move that we fail to take the opportunity that He has placed right before us. And I believe tonight that I want to release something over the atmosphere of this house. And prophetically, I'm going to speak the Word, but, you know, I don't have 15 points today to give you, even though I am a bit of a point person. Um, Because I believe that the Word of God is caught and it's not taught. And you have to catch a hold tonight in the spiritual realms of what I'm saying because you could take 50 billion notes and put it in your iPhone and then never read them again and never actually activate it in your world and it will do nothing for you. But tonight, as you sit under the Word of God, if you would open up your heart and receive from God, and you know what? I'm gonna have an action tomorrow in my Monday morning that I'm gonna step out into. That's going to be fruitful, not just for your life, but for this church and for the city, and for the city of Sydney. And this, this city will become a city for Christ through you, through you actively walking into the call of God for your life. Because you are anointed. You are anointed from God. You are anointed with, with the anointing of heaven on earth. And it's nothing that you do. We can't buy it off God. He gives it freely when we give passion and surrender and control of our lives to Him. And so, yeah, contrary to popular belief, God doesn't actually do everything for us. We can pray prayers, but He He wants us to actively step into the opportunities that He places before us. So, I pray tonight that this word will bring clarity to your world tonight, and perhaps bring some answers to some questions you might have. And so, does that sound good? You know, um, Ecclesiastes nine eleven says, "I have seen something else under the sun." The race is not for the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learned, but time and chance happen to them all. I want to read it out of the NLT as well, and it says, I have observed something else under the sun. The fastest runner doesn't always win the race, and the strongest warrior doesn't always win the battle. The wise sometimes go hungry, and the skillful are not necessarily wealthy. And those who are educated don't always lead successful lives. It is all decided by chance by being in the right place at the right time. God has a way of putting us in the right place at the right time, but we need to have eyes to see it. We need to actually actively see, you know what, God, that wasn't the opportunity or the door that I thought would open, but perhaps that's you leading me somewhere. And so I believe tonight God wants to show us and reveal to us what we can do with our windows of opportunity. So tonight I want to talk about three windows of opportunity in particular. Uh, I want to talk about the window of opportunity to throw some things away. The window of opportunity to shoot some things out and to put some faith and some action into our life. And the window of opportunity to surrender to God when we have stepped out in faith and we get into the freak out zone, right? And uh, we need to actually trust God and remain in that place. And so the first, I'm going I'm to take it out of three stories tonight in Scripture. And the first story is found in 2 Kings 9, and it's from verse 30 to 37, 2 Kings 9, verse 30 to 37. And a bit of background to this uh, story was that Israel was in a mess. They were divided. They were under terrible rule and leadership. And, uh, and of course, they were living with an incredible stronghold. And that stronghold was Ahab's family. And uh, so God decided to fix the mess And so God sent Elisha the prophet to anoint a new king over Israel to try and clean it up. So he anointed Jehu uh, to be the new king, and he gave him an assignment to wipe out the house of Ahab. And we pick up the story in 2 Kings 9, and I just will give a little bit of a warning tonight that this message is a little bit R-rated. Now, I've never seen an R-rated movie, but I'm assuming that maybe this would be in an R-rated movie. So... It's the night crowd, we can handle it, right? Because you're either a double service person or you've had like a massive sleep in this morning. So, you know, you can, you can work with this. Um, so I'm going to pick up the story and it says, when Jezebel heard, this is Ahab's wife, that Jehu had arrived in Jezreel, she made herself up, put on eyeshadow, and arranged her hair and posed seductively at the window. This is in the message translation. When Jehu came through the city gate, she called down. So how are things, Zimri, you dashing king killer? Jehu looked up at the window and called. Is there anybody up there on my side? Two or three palace eunuchs looked out. He ordered, throw her down. They threw her out the window and her blood splattered up the wall and on the horses. I love this story. Oh, my goodness. Like, seriously, like, who doesn't read the Bible and find it amazing? And Jehu trampled her under his horse's hooves. This is, like, hectic, like, awesome. Like, ooh. Then Jehu went inside and ate his lunch. So good. This is so good. During lunch, he gave orders, take care of that damned woman. Give her a decent burial. She is, after all, a king's daughter. They went out to bury her, but there was nothing left of her but skull, feet, and hands. Told you it was R-rated. They came back and told Jehu. He said, it's God's word, the word spoken by Elijah the Tishbite. In the field of Jezreel, dogs will eat Jezebel. The body of Jezebel will be like dog droppings on the ground of Jezreel. Old friends and lovers will say, I wonder, is this Jezebel? She will be unrecognizable. Jezebel was a picture of a stronghold. She was a liar, she was manipulating, she was seductive, she was beautiful and she was appealing to the people of Israel and they had fallen under her spell well and truly and they were living divided and they weren't fully living for God in their proper assigned place and God decided to say wipe out the house of Ahab, wipe it out, wipe out Jezebel, wipe it all out. And there was a moment of opportunity for Israel to be free. And I believe tonight that there are some things that we need to throw out of the window of our life. We need to throw it out of our life and we need to throw it out so it becomes unrecognizable and we never take it back into our home again. There are lies and limitations. There are things that are hindering us and keeping us from stepping into the full call of God for our lives. There are fears and strongholds and blockages that live in our house. And God today wants to come to the rescue. And, you know, I find this story incredible. I just, it was a big moment, you know, like for Israel and like here was, here was Jezebel, like She had made herself up in the window and put on eyeshadow. Like, seriously, this is just an amazing story. Like, somebody needs to make a movie out of it, right? And so, but what I have often found is that the strongholds in our life often find themselves parked in the window of our life and they look seductive, they look beautiful, they look appealing, and they look tempting, and they look like perhaps they should actually live in our house. But the fact of the matter is, is they are hindering us from walking into the full call of God for our lives. And you see, there was this moment, there was this moment in this house, and there was these three eunuchs, And they had lived with this stronghold. They had lived in her bedchamber for I don't know how many years. But there was this moment that this anointed King Jehu decided to come and stride himself through the city gates. And he decided this this moment, and he yelled out and looked up to the window and said, is there anybody with me? And then these three eunuchs, I reckon they sort of had a moment like, She just heard what he said, like, are we going to choose? What are we going to choose? Are we going to choose her who we are comfortable with, who we have lived with, who we feel like, you know what, this is a bit of a security thing for me? Or are we going to decide in our moment of opportunity to throw her out the window and be free once and for all? And there was this moment, and I reckon they were thinking, you know what, they had to move quickly. It was like a five-minute window or maybe like a two-second window. You know, like we have them moments in life. You know, it's like a moment, and it's there, and then it's gone. It's there, and then it's gone. And all the time, I believe God presents us with windows of opportunity, windows of moments to be free. And we have a moment to go, will I choose the darkness or the light like I spoke this morning? Will we choose God or that fear? Will we choose what God says about me or the lies of the enemy that I'm believing? And they had this moment, and I reckon it was a wrestle. And they looked at each other, and they're like, we're all thinking the same thing, quickly, quick, quick, quick. And they grabbed her, and they threw her out the window, and they seized an opportunity. And it wasn't an opportunity that just brought freedom to their life but it brought freedom to all of Israel. It was an incredible opportunity. And you see, church, we all have a dashing king that would walk into and stride himself into our life. Jehu was anointed and set apart to bring freedom, but he needed the eunuchs to partner with him. Jehu didn't stride himself all the way up to the window and throw Jezebel out. He just came and he made a call. Is anybody with me? Because in this moment, you can be free. And what I believe is that Jesus, he comes into our life and he asks us the same question. There's a moment now, do you want to be free? But Jesus won't come and just take the lies out of your mind unless you let him. He won't come and just remove that stronghold of fear unless you let him and you give it out and you decide to throw it out of your window once and for all. And today, God, I believe tonight, God wants to release over us victory. He wants to do it in our life, and He wants our days to be just as productive as this one, and to do it all before lunch. How amazing that if we would wake up tomorrow morning and let go of the stronghold of fear, what what would your life look like? How different would your life look like tomorrow? Maybe you would decide to speak to that friend that you see every Monday morning. Maybe you would decide to step out in faith and get rid of that thing, you know, that is just keeping you bound. What would it look like if, if apathy was thrown out of your window today? Tomorrow morning when you wake up, you might get up an extra hour and begin to storm the heavens with prayer. And you might begin to see that things are going to shift over your family. Those things that have been hindering you and those breakthroughs that you've been praying for, they're actually going to come to pass. What would your life look like if you threw jealousy out of the window? You'd stop comparing your life to the person next to you and maybe be authentically you and who God has called you to be? What would your life look like if you decided to forgive that person What would your life look like if you decided to let that thing go out of your life that you know is hindering you? I don't have to name it. You know it. I don't have to say it right now. The Holy Spirit is releasing it in your mind. And you're thinking, I know that thing. I live with it. It's in my life. I'm comfortable with it. But tonight, I believe God is releasing over you victory. And right here, right now, if you have got something you want to throw out, I'm going to ask you to stand where you are. And I'm just going to release just a prayer over you right now. Come on. Why don't you stand in this place? Let's press into heaven. Lift your arms to God. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. Right now, if you believe it, I want you to say and just repeat after me, Father God, I throw that thing out the window. I throw it out the window. Come on. And I believe that victory is mine today. Father God, I thank you right now. Father God, awesome. Oh Sam, yes, you can repeat after me. I'm gonna pray. Father God, I thank you right now. Lord, that you are releasing, Lord God, the strength and the will right now, Father God, for every person that is standing to release that thing out of the window that is hindering them. Father God, no longer will they be hindered, Father God. No longer, Father God, will they stand, Lord God, where they shouldn't be standing. But Father God, I pray that the stronghold of their life, Father, would be thrown out of the window tonight, that it would be unrecognizable. Its blood would splatter up the wall, Father God, if it has to. Father God, and I thank you, Father God, that no longer will fear, Father God, hinder your church. No longer, Lord God, will those things, Lord God, that are keeping us captive, keep us captive any longer. But Father God, victory is ours right now in Jesus' name. Do you believe it? Amen. Okay, awesome. Take a seat. So that's the first window Jesus said in Luke 4, 18, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. So good. That is the Savior that we serve you know, the second story that I want to talk about and the second window that I want to talk about is taken out of the story in 2 Kings 13:7, And this window is a window of opportunity for something to come to pass in your life, for victory to come to pass, but it actually will take an action of faith from you. You know, we see uh, the story in 2 Kings. It's just a little bit further down in Kings than this, the first story of Jezebel. And we see Elisha, and he's on his deathbed. And it's 2 Kings 13, in verse 15 to 18, I'm going to read. It says, When Elisha was in his last illness, King Jehoash of Israel visited him and wept over him. "'My father, my father, I see the chariots and the charioteers of Israel,' he cried. Elisha told him, "'Get a bow and some arrows.'" And the king did as he was told. Elisha told him, put your hand on the bow. And Elisha laid his own hands on the king's hands. Then he summoned, opened the east window and he opened it. Then he said, shoot. And he shot an arrow. Elisha proclaimed, this is the Lord's arrow, an arrow of victory over Aram. So you will completely conquer the Arameans. Then he said, now pick up the other arrows and strike them against the ground. So the king picked them up and struck the ground three times. But the man of God was angry with him. You should have struck the ground five or six times, he exclaimed. Then you would have beaten Aram until it was entirely destroyed. Now you will be victorious only three times. You know, I believe tonight that some of us are presented with this exact window. It's a window that requires us to have faith. It requires us to actually step out in faith. You know, the king was actually an evil king, and Elisha was performing one of his last miracles. And we see here that the the king is positioned in a place where he can receive victory for the people of Israel once again. And in this, Elisha says, now shoot the arrow of victory out of the window. And what does he do? He grabs the arrow and he shoots it out the window. And what does he get? He gets victory. But then the most incredible thing is, is that Elisha says, now grab those arrows and strike the ground. But this time he only gave him partial instruction to see what he would do, to see what was actually within his heart and what he would actively do without the instruction. You see, we see the first time he shoots the arrow, Elisha places his hand on the arrow. And I believe tonight that there are things that God is wanting us to step out and do, faith projects and and decisions we need to make that will release things out of our life. And in those first moments of release, God will lay his hands upon our hands. And when we do that, we will see victory come. But then there's the moment after the victory that God will see what we will do just like he did with this king. And we see this king take the arrows and he only struck the ground three times. It was almost like he thought, well, that's a good enough effort because God's gonna do it anyway. And sometimes we think that's a good enough effort, God. You're gonna do it anyway. Three seconds in prayer, God, is enough because you're gonna do it anyway. A little complacency, God, is okay you're going to do it anyway. I don't have to turn up early and serve because you're going to do it anyway. I don't have to press in a little bit further because you're going to do it anyway. Sometimes in life, we can have this opinion. Sometimes in life, we can think, God, you're just going to do it. You know what? I'm going to sit back and let you be sovereign in your wonderful grace and mercy. And God is gracious and He is loving and He is merciful. But God requires us to step out in faith. And when we do that, He will move on our behalf. You see some of us here tonight, we have had victories from the Lord. We have shot that arrow out the out of the window and we have seen God move. But now it's our turn to do something without his hand. Sometimes we have to step out and move so that God will move with us. He won't make the first move. We got to make the first move. We got to make the first move. We got to stop waiting for God to make the first move. We've got to remember that every time we are in a position of opportunity, God, we sometimes, you know, we're positioned with meeting people or doing things, and we're like, God, is this you? Or should I just wait on you? Should I just wait a little bit more? But maybe God's like, you've been praying for this your whole life. Like, just move on it. You don't have to go in 15 hours of prayer. You've been praying your whole life. Move. God wants us to see things and know things so that we don't stop short of what it is that He wants to do in our life. You know, my husband and I, we received a miracle block of land just recently, a year or two ago. And... Um, God did an incredible thing. We have this block of land that is on the landmark of our Port Stephens region. It's two and a half acres in the center of town with water views. It's absolutely phenomenal. We received it for a price that is like a quarter of its market value. The people, the woman that sold it just was throwing it away because it was a part of a, a yucky divorce settlement and she just wanted to, you know, not have it anymore. But there was this moment, this opportunity that my husband and I had to seize. We had to seize it in the moment. But you see, we had prepared ourselves with acts of faith and steps of faith before that moment. So when the opportunity arose, we knew it was God. We didn't have to go back and wait, you know, 15 other weeks in prayer because we knew it was God. If we didn't step out immediately, we would have missed it. Because you see what happened was that months and months and months before Almost a year before, my husband and I would circle those streets in prayer. We would circle those streets in prayer every time we drove past because I felt in my spirit something's here for us, something's here for us. And so I would circle in prayer. My husband and I felt God say to us, choose any house in this area, choose it. So we chose a particular house and we began to pray for that particular house. And we began to believe that God would give us that particular house an increase. But you see, what happened was in the process of going and moving and striking the ground and striking the ground and striking the ground and doing something. The God began to move in our hearts and you see what happened was it was just an ordinary Saturday and I was preparing a sermon. And as I was preparing the sermon, I just had this stirring in my heart. And I said to my husband, our house is ready, but I think it's not a house. I think it's land. And I felt this agitation in my spirit. And the word of the Lord came to me and said, Gemma, seek first my kingdom and all things else will follow. Everything else will be given to you. So I thought, all right, I'm not going to worry about it today. I'm going to finish my sermon prep, which is a good idea. And uh, I preached the sermon on Sunday morning, and then I literally walked off the stage and out the door and grabbed my husband and said, now, let's go now. We arrived up, um, we went home and I said, I don't know what it is, but something's ready. Our land is ready. The house is ready. And I think it's land. And my husband looked to me and said, well, it has to be a miracle. And I was like, well, it's going to be a miracle. And, uh, And so we went home and we looked up on the internet. The first thing that popped up was this land. And, um, Anyway, I said to my husband, I think this is it. And we, didn't, we thought it must have been a misprint with the price. We're like, surely this, is, this price is not right. Like, it can't be the right price. And uh, so we called the real estate agent. And uh, the real estate agent said, don't you realize that today's a holy day? I'm not working. And uh, he was not a believer. And um, my husband and I thought that was quite funny because i just preached the word <laughs> moments before. And uh, we said, well, we want to go and see this block of land. And he said, all right, we'll go and have a look at it. We went up the mountain. My dad called me as I arrived up the mountain. He was like, hi, love, what are you doing? <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> we're up the mountain. I just got, found this block of land and I think, I just feel like it's the promised land. I know that sounds really biblical, but like I was feeling it. And I was like, I feel like it's the promised land. He's like, where are you, love? Where are you? And I was like, I'm at the top of the mountain. He said, you wouldn't believe it. Eight years ago, I was up the mountain praying, and God said to me, "Martin, your family will own this mountain." And I grabbed your my like my mom, and he went back up the mountain, and he began to pray, and uh, with my mom, and and all those years later, we walked into it. But all that preparation before was for a moment of opportunity. What happened was like. Port Stephens where I live is not really technological and so everybody waits for the examiner which is the newspaper like the weekly newspaper to come out so it's so super embarrassing oh my goodness and so that's the only way that people sort of like find houses like and land and so what happened was the block of land which we had put in immediately we decided we're like we're signing Monday morning like so it was Sunday afternoon Monday morning we signed and um, decided to put the deposit forward And I was like panicking because what happened was it came out in the examiner and like, it was like sweeping through like rumours of like this small town was like everyone was jumping on this block of land it was like what is going on with this price tag on this block of land? But you see what happened was, was what we had put we had signed it before it came out in the examiner. So like everyone was like freaking out trying to get it and somebody walked into JJ's where my best friend Mel um, used to work and she said customer after customer after customer was coming in talking about this block of land and she's like oh my best friend's already got it, like they signed already because I had got a word and a moment from God and that's for someone today. Because you see, God has moments and if I had missed it, if I had gone, you know what God, but see, God had worked in us a miracle leading up to that place. And so we saw the opportunity and we seized the opportunity because we were in a place of going, you know what, God, we're going to strike the ground. 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 And you know what, tonight, there's some of you that's like, we got to start striking the ground. You got to look to your husband or your wife or the one you want to be sitting there and going, we're going to strike the ground. We're going to strike the ground. We're going to do it in our generation. We're going to do it for our family. We're going to do it for this church. We're going to do it for the city of Sydney. That is what we're going to do. God wants to move miraculously in our world tonight. I'm going to ask the band to come on up. And what time do I have to finish? 10 minutes. Awesome, because I've still got a bit to do. That's good. (laughs) Sorry, I didn't check that before I got up. The third window that I want to talk about tonight is the window where you have stepped out in faith and now you're in the freak out zone. And you're like, God, I've stepped out in faith. I've taken that window of opportunity and now I want to exit. There's an incredible story of this in Joshua 2 with Rahab the prostitute. Rahab was a prostitute in Jericho and a little bit of the story, I'm sure a lot of us would know it, but tonight, you know, if you don't, what happened was, uh, you know, of course, we know that Israel was taking the promised land and Joshua was leading them they had to conquer the city of Jericho. So Joshua sent in spies to Jericho. And what happened was was there was this prostitute there that felt like, you know, God basically, you know, spoke to her, even though she wasn't a believer. And she welcomed them into her home. And she kept them safe. And there was this uh, agreement that happened between them where she had a window of opportunity to be saved when all of her people were annihilated so that she could walk into the destiny that God had for her. And in Joshua 2, uh, verse 18, I just want to read this portion of Scripture out of the story. Are we okay? Are we good with with another story? Rahab lowered them down out of a window with a rope because her house was on the city wall to the outside. She told them, Run for the hills so your pursuers won't find you. Hide out for three days and give your pursuers time to return. Then get on your way. The men told her, in order to keep this oath, you made us swear, here is what you must do. See the similarity? Here's what you must do. Hang this red rope out the window through which you let us down and gather your entire family with you in the house, father, mother, brothers, and sisters. Anyone who goes out the doors of your house into the street and is um, killed is his own fault. We aren't responsible. But for everyone within the house, we'll take full responsibility. If anyone lays a hand on one of them, it's our fault. But if you tell anyone of our business here, the oath you made us swear is cancelled. We're no longer responsible. She said that if that's what you say, that's w- the way it is, and sent them off. Then she left um, when they sorry they left, and she hung she hung the red rope out of the window. What I found incredible in this story, thanks guys, you can begin playing at any moment, that's awesome, um, is that she had this moment where she was at the window of opportunity and what happened was she actually decided to surrender to God. Now this was a prostitute, this was Rahab, she was probably renowned in all of her people, but she was the only one that decided to see God as the true God and the people of God as though that they were anointed and favored by God. And so she knew that all of her people feared the Israelites. She actually said to them, everyone is just melted. They're melting in fear, which meant she was melting in fear as well. But what she did was she surrendered to God ultimately, and she laid out of the window her red rope, But you see, in this moment of putting out the window and the call of going, okay, God, I've stepped out in faith. Here's the red rope. Here it is, God, I've surrendered. I've given you my life. Something began to happen. We know the story. The Israelites begin to march around the very wall that her window is positioned in. And I reckon her family began to look and see the Israelites marching around the wall. And as they began to march around the wall, I reckon there was some conversations that began to happen. I reckon she began to talk to her mum and dad and maybe her brothers and sisters and think, should we go? Should we exit? Should we leave the house? They're marching around the wall and there's whispers that the wall is going to come down. I don't know what the conversation in the household was, but this was a scary place. She had stepped out in faith and then the very wall her window was in was about to come down. But the most incredible thing of her story is, is that the walls came down, but she lived. The walls came down, but all of her family lived. And I reckon there was a moment they thought, let's exit, let's run into the streets. But if they did, they would have died. They would not have been rescued. It's an incredible story. Recently, archaeologists have discovered the walls of Jericho. And what they have discovered as they have undug the walls is that there is a portion of the wall that didn't come down it actually was still standing. And they discovered that that proportion of the wall was in the very place that went out from where the spies would have hid. And what they discovered was that when the wall came down, it actually came down on a slope with steps, brick by brick by brick. So when the Israelites came in, they began to walk to rescue Rahab and her family. The walls came down. They had a moment, I reckon, when they were hunker and bunkered down in this house and the walls started crumbling down. They were probably having a conversation with themselves like, God is, has failed us. God has failed us. We're going to die. Everything's going down, 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 and we're going to go down with it. But God didn't fail them, even though the walls were crashing down. We know the story. They were rescued. And tonight, there are some of us here, we've stepped out in faith. And we feel like the walls are coming down around us. And there is a rumbling and a storm. And we're like, are we going to survive, God? Am I going to get through this, God? I've stepped out in faith and I've begun to trust you, God. Can I still trust you? Yes, you can. God is the God of the miraculous. He was the God of the miraculous for Rahab. He was the God of the miraculous for Esther. He was the God of the miraculous for Daniel. He was the God of the miraculous for David. He was the God of the miraculous through generation, through generation, through generation. And tonight, God is not going to fail you. I believe tonight there are some of us and we've got the cord, the red rope out the window, and we're going, God. You've got to show up. But once again, I put my trust in you. Once again, I believed in you. Once again, I believe that you're going to come through for me. And I'm not going to trust in the systems or the strategies of the world, but I'm going to trust in the almighty God of heaven and earth. Why don't you stand in this place tonight? Come on, let's press into God. Let's press into God over and over and over again in Scripture people were presented with windows of opportunity. Some took them, some didn't. Noah was presented with a window that God told him to build. And he released the dove and he released the raven. And that very thing that he released came back as a place to be be a new beginning for him. We see Michael, uh, you know, David's wife, she had a moment where she actually released him out of the window and saved his life but then she had a window that she decided to create an offense as David began to parade through the streets she looked through that window and she began to create a window of offense in her heart and some of us here tonight we have taken our window of opportunity to praise and instead we have bred things in our life that we shouldn't have and right now tonight God wants to release those things out of your life Tonight, I believe some of us need to throw some things out of the window. Some of us need to believe that God is going to move miraculously on our behalf. And some of us have stepped out and we need to trust God afresh. If that is you tonight, why don't you come down the front? God is here. He is going to pour out His Spirit over your life. He is going to pour it out. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father God, I thank you right now, Father. God, for all of these windows, Father God, windows of opportunity, windows of opportunity, Father God, Father, I thank you, Father God, that you have set before us all windows of opportunity, Father, and you're asking a response from us, and Father, I pray tonight with every response of faith, Father God, you are going to move in the miraculous, Father God, right now, Father God, move over these lives. Father, give them eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to believe. Thank you, Lord. Right now, God is just revealing to each one of you the window that stands before you. And I believe that the Holy Spirit just wants you to have a yes in your spirit. If it's to release that thing, release it. If it's to stand and to release that arrow of victory, release it. If it's to trust and surrender, give it all to God tonight. Right now, why don't we pray in closing? Father God, Father God, I pray. Father God, I pray that as this word has gone out, Father, it is a window of opportunity. Father, and I pray that it would be released right now into each one of us. Father God, as we walk into our week, Father God, to have eyes to see. Father God, everything that is before us. Father God, and I thank you, Father God, that all things are possible with you. And tonight, Lord God, we release afresh. Father, our hearts to you. We thank you that you're with us. You do not fail us and you do not leave us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. I'm
1: Wonderful. going to hand
0: her back because I think I'm out of time. It's outstanding, amen. outstanding. What a beautiful night. Hey, can we just grab our seats? Just a few little things I just want to do before we conclude. And the first one is I just really want to...